Our scripture reading tonight comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and verses 31 to 35. It's printed for you in the order of worship. It's also found in your pew Bible on page 900. Let's give our attention to God's word. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you not understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we can gather on this evening to consider your love for us, to behold once again the depths to which you will go, to show your love, to rescue your people, and in so doing, to rescue the world. May we, may our hearts be stirred at your love for us, and may we be transformed so that we would love one another. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I'm getting older, and as my kids are getting older, I have two teenagers and two uh, kids who are getting closer to teenage years each and every day. There are many things that I enjoy about having this stage of life where the kids are getting older. My kids, while they're staying up later, also on days when they do not have school, they sleep in. This is a day I never thought would ever come. I relish the fact also that they're getting better at me in almost all physical activities. I'm in the final days of being the best basketball player in my family. I will soon lose the wrestling championship belt that I've held for, well, the entire time our small little family's been in existence. And I've long been surpassed as the fastest runner in our family. They're also surpassing me in what I can remember about school. So, for instance, their math is getting so complicated that now I can say, uh, truthfully, 
I'm sorry, I just don't understand it. I can't help you tonight with your math. But there are things I miss. There are things I miss about having little children. One of them is reading those little square uh, board books with lots of pictures and usually just a sentence or two on every page, and usually it's a talking animal that's, uh, that's telling a story. Not a heavy intellectual lift, which was good because the days when I was reading them, and if you're reading them now, you might, remember, you might know this as well, that you're usually exhausted and half falling asleep as you uh, have your little one in your lap. Now, the best of those books, in my opinion, were the ones that talked about and illustrated the love that a parent has for a child. So in our home, it was Oliver Finds His Way, and uh, I Love You to the Moon and Back, and many others. And these books, while profoundly simple, would help put to words something oftentimes that was so hard to describe and so hard to, to, to let the kids know, my love for them. I mean, after all, how does a parent put into words their love for this little life that is sitting in your lap? It's an impossible task. How do you communicate it so that they can understand? And those picture books... In those moments, in those nights, and in those mornings, were always so helpful. I haven't found the teenage version of it yet, but I need to. In our passage tonight, John 13, Jesus faces a similar dilemma. How is he going to tell the disciples that he loves them? How is he going to show them his love for them? At this point in Jesus' ministry, he's told them of his love. He's taught them about his love. He's invited them into his love. He's talked about the love that he has for this, his father and the father has for him. He's told them that he is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for them out of love. In love, he has called them to follow him. In love, he has fed them. In love, he has wept with them. But now he needs to show them because, as John tells us, his time has come. He's just hours from his death. He knows that his time with them is quickly coming to an end. And he knows that he is calling them to do what he's calling them to do after his death and after his resurrection is simply impossible for them unless they are fueled by his love, unless they are secure in his love. So Jesus, Jesus does something unthinkable. In the middle of dinner, he gets up and he starts washing their feet of all the things to do of all the things he could have said, of all the messages to communicate, he does this. He washes his disciples' feet. And so, like a parent with the picture book, looking for ways to communicate this one message, I love you, Jesus takes their feet in his hands and he washes them. Because, as John tells us, well, he loved them to the end. This is what he wants to show them. This is what he needs to show them. And so I want to look at why he does this. Why does, he, why does he wash their feet? And what does it in the end communicate to them? How does it communicate love? And not just to his disciples, but to us, to you. My hope tonight is that you might see just how much Jesus actually loves you. That you would see the fullness of his love, you would see the depth of his love, and you would see the breadth of his love. Look first at the fullness of Jesus' love in verse 1. John tells us, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's an odd phrase. It's an odd way to put things, to love someone to the end. But in many ways, Jesus' love is only really just beginning. Some translations say he loved them to the uttermost. 
But here, John wants to give us a glimpse not only of the nature of Jesus' love, but the fact that it's love that compels every aspect of Jesus' life, every aspect of Jesus' ministry. It is love that compels God to take on human flesh and to live in this world. It is love that compels Jesus to be baptized by his cousin John. It's love that compels Jesus to turn water into wine at a wedding feast. It's love that compels Jesus to turn dirt into mud in order to heal a blind man. It's love that compels Jesus to meet a woman at a well. And it's love that compels Jesus to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead. It's love that calms the storms. It's love that feeds the people. And it's love now that compels Jesus to take off his outer robe, kneel before his disciples, and wash their feet. Everything Jesus does is under the compulsion of love including what his foot washing is meant to ultimately point to. Jesus is compelled to go to the cross by his love. It's love that puts him there. You must see the fullness of Jesus' love, not just for the disciples, but for you as well. Because all of us, we all live with a similar dilemma. We all have the same problem that the disciples did, even though they lived so many years ago in a seemingly different world. We all face the same dilemma. How will you do it? How will you get through tomorrow? How will you face the chaos and the stress and the utter craziness of being a human being existing in this world in 2023? And for those of you who are Christians, how will you take up this call by Jesus to take up your cross and to follow him? How will you love your neighbor as yourself? And how can you possibly live lives of radical generosity in a world that is so rampant with self-absorption and consumption? You will not thrive or even really survive in this way by developing better coping mechanisms, by developing a better life strategy, by changing your scenery, by changing your community, by changing your spouse, which are sadly the methods we so often employ in order to survive and live and cope in this world. But really the only way to life, the life that we are looking for, striving for, the life that we are searching for is to receive this love that Jesus is compelled to offer. You must see the fullness of his love for you. And what is true of the disciples is true for you, that everything that Jesus does for you is under the compulsion of his love for you. This is what Jesus wants to know on Jesus wants them, his disciples to know on this night. It's the fullness of his love. He's loved them to the end. Friends, no one has ever loved you like this. No one has ever served you like this. No one has or can ever love you so fully and so completely like this. Except Jesus. He's the only one who can do this. He's the only one that does do this. Notice also, that's the, 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 uh, the fullness of his love, but notice also the depth of Jesus' love. Look now at the actual foot washing. Jesus rises from the meal and without saying a word, without any explanation that we at least can read about, he takes off his outer garment, takes a towel, ties it around his waist, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus is very deliberately taking the position of a slave who would wash his master's feet. But here in this very moment, Jesus is overturning all social norms. All good first century etiquette is now out the window. And Peter, in his protest, saying, Lord, do you wash my feet, at least understands this much that this act of love 
threatens to destabilize Jesus' relationship with his disciples. And what Peter doesn't yet realize is that this simple act of love actually threatens to destabilize all of humanity. Because kings do not become slaves. No king loves this deeply. No king would ever do this. No king except Jesus. And this is remarkable. That the very hands that we learn about in verse 2, that John tells us everything has been given into the hands of Jesus. The Father gives everything into the hands of Jesus. The next thing we see, those very hands doing. The very hands of Jesus are holding and washing the disciples' feet. Why, Peter asks, would you wash our feet? Which is another way for Peter to ask, why would you die for me? And the answer, of course, is because Jesus loves him. This is the depth of his love. Imagine now the condition of the disciples' feet. Having lived in, living in the first century Middle East, no shoes, just sandals, filth on the street. Think of what your feet are like on a hot summer day in New York City, and now think a thousand times dirtier, a thousand times worse. And here's Jesus at their feet, with all the stench and the smells, the calluses, the sores, the grime, the scars. And he's right there washing them. Imagine how dirty the basin of water got as Jesus went down the row, washing feet after feet after feet. Imagine him putting their feet into his lap, water and dirt sloshing everywhere, getting all over him, and the smell of the feet creeping onto him and onto his garment. John, in the beginning of this gospel, tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And perhaps we have this hope that Jesus will respect our personal space when he comes and dwells among us that he'll give us a little room to breathe. But that's not the picture we get here. Jesus knows who he has been called to love. He knows it's not pretty. He knows Peter's doubts. He knows that the devil has already led Judas to betray him. He knows the scars. He knows the dirt. And here's Jesus, completely vulnerable. This is the depth of his love. And he knows all of it. And he washes feet. Even more, he knows all of it. And he's going to die on a cross. This, this is the love that we all seek. We all yearn for this, the depth of this love. We're all after it, whether we know it or not. But so oftentimes, we're not ready to believe it. We're not ready to receive it. And in this way, we are a lot like Peter in this passage. See, Peter doesn't think this depth of love by Jesus is appropriate. Kings don't wash feet. Peter probably thinks that, if anything, he should be washing Jesus' feet, as, though, as if he has something to offer Jesus. But Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Seeing this act of love as he washes them, he's restoring his relationship with them. After all, he's not simply inspecting their feet. He's not figuring out which of the feet are dirty and which ones are clean. He's washing everyone's feet. He's making them all clean. And Peter, of course, once Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me, Peter says, well, then wash all of me. Just do the whole thing. And Jesus, because he loves Peter, says, the one who is bathed does not need to wash. In other words, Peter, you're mine. I know you're a mess. I need to wash you, but you've already been through the cleansing waters of baptism. I'm washing your feet because I love you. Jesus makes uh, astonishing claims about himself, 
all throughout the Gospels. He makes astonishing claims about the world and the nature of humanity. But two claims that I find myself coming back to time and time again for myself and when I sit with others are these, that we were made to be loved like this. And Jesus is the only one who can actually love us this deeply. In other words, every one of us is looking for and longing to be loved with this kind of depth. To be loved with a love that forgives and restores. A love that knows us completely, that loves us unconditionally. That knows our mess and can actually heal us and restore us and cleanse us. Yet even though we were made for this kind of love, and even though Jesus offers us this kind of love, all too often our loves are disordered and they are misdirected. Not upon Jesus, the object of our love, but on other people, objects or experiences, dreams or fantasies. But the fact remains that this is what we were made for. And the invitation Jesus makes as he washes his disciples' feet is for them and us to come and rest in the depth of his love. He is the only one who can love you this deeply, this, this unconditionally. It is his love that you are after, and he offers it to you. The depth of his love for you not only has him washing feet, it has him dying on the cross for your sake because he loves you to the end. Lastly, look at the breadth of his love. We've seen the fullness, the depth, and I want you to see the breadth of his love. Jesus seeks to extend his love beyond this one room. He wants to extend this, this love, his love, beyond this one meal, beyond these 12 disciples and out into the world. And so he asks the disciples this question after he washes their feet in verse 12. Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I've done to you. And then verse 33 says, he gives them this new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And so we see the breadth of his love. It is to extend and expand out, out into the world. And it is now this commandment, this new command. And as an example that we are to take up to offer the fullness of Jesus' love, to offer the depth of his love to one another and to the world. And yet a command to live like this, to love like this, is so very difficult. If you've tried, you know this. It means laying down our instincts of self-preservation because, after all, if you love others like Jesus has loved you, it will most certainly cost you. It will cost you dearly. It did for Jesus. Remember, Jesus' love has him on the floor washing Judas' feet. Jesus is washing the feet of the very one who will now trample him. this is the one, Judas, who will get up, leave this meal, walk out the door with clean feet, and go turn him into the authorities. That's what we're talking about here. A Christian call to love is a call to risk. It is most certainly a call to suffer. But the beauty of this command and this call upon us is that we, we do not offer our own love because we cannot love like this under our own power. Not this fully, not this deeply. We are incapable of offering this kind of love by ourselves, but we are called to do, what we are called to do is to offer the love of Jesus, his love that he's offered to us, to the world, 
See, the fullness of Jesus' love compels us to address every place in our world, in our culture, in our creation, every place where the realities of sin and a broken world have taken hold, every political institution, every relational and global problem must first be and always be addressed with love. It is the fullness of Jesus' love that actually overthrows the powers and the principalities that dominate this world. Evil does not stand against this love. And the depth of his love allows us to move into the brokenness of the world with our eyes wide open. After all, we're not being called to freshen up one another's faces. We're being called to wash filthy feet. So with the call to love comes this reality as we see Jesus faced. That the devil is still at work. Evil is real. Death is still ever present in our world and in our lives. And that there's a real enemy to love. And that enemy needs to be defeated. Thus, the love we offer for one another, the love we offer to the world, it is not naive to the world around us. And so, being recipients of the fullness of his love and the depth of his love, we take up this call. We are to take up this command to love one another and then offer his love to the world. And in so doing, we extend the breadth of his love among each other and among our neighbors. But we, just like Jesus... We ought to be under the same compulsion because the only way we can, we can possibly experience the love of Jesus is through receiving it from one another. The only way our friends and our neighbors will know of this love, this fullness, this depth of love of Jesus is to show it to them. And see, what the disciples couldn't have known as Jesus was washing their feet was a greater act of sacrificial love was to come. See, Jesus, just as Jesus removed his garments as he knelt to serve them during his meal, during this meal, soon his garments would be removed completely at his crucifixion as he suffered the scorn and the hatred of the world and dies. And as his body would be wrapped in linen cloths he would, and as he lay in the tomb at his burial. But as we'll celebrate on Easter morning, even death does not stop his love. That is why Paul in Romans chapter 8, will give us these beautiful words. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ, Jesus our Lord. So tonight I want you to consider the feet of the disciples. And I want you to know the fullness of his love for you. Consider the hands of Jesus who've been given everything and now they're being, be, becoming filthy as they take on the dirt and the shame of the disciples. And I want you to know the depth of his love for you. And take up this command and take it up joyfully to love one another and extend his love to the world. Jesus hasn't loved you merely with words. He's hung on a cross for you. He's rose from the dead because he loves you. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, even now in heaven, and he's praying for you, watching over you because he loves you. And he has sent you the greatest gift he could ever give you, the gift of his spirit, all because he loves you. It's the fullness of his love. It's the depth of his love that he offers to you, and it's the breadth of his love that now he sends us out into the world. To be a follower of Jesus means that Jesus... He loves you to the end. He loves you to the uttermost. This is the love we need. This is the love 
that we are all longing for, that we are all searching for. And this is the love that we have because of our Savior Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, as you sat and washed the disciples' feet, you showed them and you show us the depth of your love, the fullness of your love, and you call us now to extend that to the world. Oh, would you give us hearts that are on fire for you, that would be willing to love one another and love our neighbors, but not with the love that we offer, which oftentimes is so fickle and so fleeting, but that we would offer your love to the world that so desperately needs it. We pray that your spirit would dwell upon us and give us that strength and that love to do that this evening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.